Hello and welcome to the Psychic Stories podcast, encouraging conversations about mental health. Today I'm speaking to Chris Flanders. Chris is a secondary school teacher and formerly a lawyer. He's also a CrossFit and yoga instructor. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Matt. How are you getting on? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. So um, the goal of today is to have an open and honest conversation about your mental health journey, to get some insight into the tools and techniques that have helped you and are available and accessible to people. And by discussing your journey, we hope to share and normalise conversations about mental health, as often people are not alone in these experiences. Does that, sound, does that sound good with you? That sounds good to me. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. Well, just, I think, first of all, just opening up to you, please tell us all about your mental health journey. Um, so I think, having spoken to you about what we were kind of looking at during this, uh, this conversation, I, I kind of thought to talk about my mental health journey. The way I'd probably try and structure it is through kind of two occasions within my life where I kind of thought, you know, my mental health wasn't where I wanted it to be, or certainly things were not as uh, as positive for me as I, I would have, you know, yeah, expected them. Um, and then also kind of then, like you said, looking at the kind of toolkit and the things that I've, I've kind of experienced that have helped me through those things. Um, I would never say that I am someone who has suffered from mental health issues. Um, I've never had uh, like a formal diagnosis. I've, I've definitely never spoken to a doctor about uh, the things I've experienced, but in retrospect, I probably should have. And I think that that's also one of the kind of uh, parts of this conversation is that recognition that um, some of the things that people are experiencing are probably uh, beyond that individual's kind of straightforward capabilities and that they are things that someone should be talking to professionals about and looking for uh, that appropriate health. Mm. Um, so I think the, the kind of two experiences I've had where maybe my mental health wasn't where I wanted it to be um, was, as you alluded to, uh, transitioning from being uh, a solicitor into being a teacher. Mm -hmm. um, so I got to a stage where I was about 25, 26. Um, I had been to university, I'd done a geography degree, I'd then done a law conversion course, I'd then done my LPC, and then I'd done a two-year training contract uh, with a, a fairly large uh, UK law firm mm -hmm. and was essentially supposed to become a commercial solicitor. Um, and at that time, uh, I was in a really, really happy kind of place in that I was, I was living with my, uh, my girlfriend at the time. Uh, everything was really positive. Uh, I qualified as a solicitor, so it's like, oh, fantastic, you've been on this long education journey and now you're starting your career. And I hated it. And it was just like, this is not what I want to be doing. Mm. Um, this is like just blowing my mind that this could be me for, you know, when we talk about your professional career, the reality is that might be 40 years of your life. Yeah. And it's not just going to be 40 years, you know, just kind of, as it happens, that's like the defining period almost of your life. Mm. And I was working, uh, the, the job that I'd actually taken on was in commercial litigation, which was the thing that I was supposed to be interested in. Um, so it wasn't even like, oh, you know, you've, you've chosen a bad career here. This isn't really what you want to be doing. It was like, you know, Chris wants to be a commercial solicitor and he loves litigation. This is going to be, this is going to be the best. Yeah. And I was uh, getting up in the morning not like I'd wake up two hours before my alarm went off with that kind of nervous dread of the day ahead. Um, 
So I, I was living with my girlfriend, but also with a, um, one of her friends as well in the house. So I was getting up before both of them. Um, and then I'd go downstairs and I would get, I'd be so anxious, so nervous about the day ahead of me that I would, um, I'd, I'd, I'd be dry retching in the sink. And I would literally stand at the sink and like just bring up bile. And, and that was going on for like, literally going on for weeks. Uh, neither of them knew about it because I'd go downstairs, close all the doors and just kind of do that. And then once I'd like almost kind of purged myself, which wasn't, you know, it's not, it wasn't an eating disorder. It was, it was a nerves thing. It was, a, you know, literally my body was just like, this is horrible. I'd then kind of have my breakfast and go to work and I would get on the train with with them because they were both working in the same area that I worked in we'd both go to work they'd they'd go right at the end of the street I'd go left down to my office and from the moment I kind of said goodbye to them I would be like I don't want to walk into that building and I would be looking at the time and be like oh it's not it's not nine o'clock yet it's only ten to nine I'll do another lap of the, the block I'll just walk further up that street and then I'll walk back in a thing to avoid actually having to be there. And then I'd go in the office and just spend the entire time just thinking, I don't want to do this. Yeah. And I was looking around and I was kind of like, you know, the, I think a lot of people would look at their careers and think, okay, who's the person who's above me? That's, that's my aim. You know, I want to become, that's my target or things like that. And I was looking at the people that were working there just thinking, oh, please don't let that be me in, mm. you know, five years time, 20 years time. I was looking at the guy who was the, the senior partner in the firm. So, you know, earning really good money, incredibly well respected in his field. And I was like, I do not want to be that guy. Mm. Like, he, he clearly wasn't, you know, under so much pressure all the time, stressed, you know, being not very pleasant to people because he was under pressure and stressed, not being pleasant to me because, you know, I wasn't exactly giving my, my all. Um, but it became very apparent that that wasn't a situation that I could, uh, you know, sustain. Um, and I've been quite lucky or, you know, I think I'm quite lucky in that I, I'm very definite about the importance of my happiness and the importance of my, um, you know, overall well-being. Uh, and I've also got a slightly impulsive streak, which is surprising because I don't, I don't, I'm, I People wouldn't identify me as being impulsive, but on like quite big decisions, I, I kind of take an attitude of sometimes you need to um, you need to jump off the edge uh, to to make that decision happen, and and that's what I did. I I went in and we'll say it was a Friday because that's kind of a convenient like makes sense. It was the end of the week, but it might have been a Tuesday. I've no idea. Yeah. And I sat down and it got to like ten o'clock, and I was like. I'm, I'm going to email Martin and say I need a meeting and emailed him and you know which is weird because he's sat behind me um in the office like why, why? good luck. I, was like, I don't want to talk to him because he's bloody terrified so emailed the guy saying oh we need to have a meeting no no details he's like all right well I've got got five minutes at 12 sat in the office and um in one of the meeting rooms and I was just like I'm I, I can't do this I'm not coming back Mm. Um, and he, he was actually very understanding. He, he said, uh, at the end of our conversation, this is the first time I've seen you smile, uh, the entire time you've been here. And, and it was, it was just such a relief. Um, because I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. 
And I, yeah, walked out of the office and that was it. And uh, never at any point thought about going back. Um, I, I had already had a thought about what I might want to do. Um, I was very lucky in that I, uh, I didn't need to be working immediately. You know, I was living, like I said, in a rent- rented house with a girlfriend and a friend. So like I had enough money to kind of feed myself. And then I just basically set myself uh, a deadline of finding some kind of work. Mm-hmm. Knew that I was interested in teaching, thought that was something I probably wanted to get into. And then just threw myself into that. And I had quite a positive attitude, you know, I'll, I'll kind of give anything a go. Mm-hmm. Uh, signed up for a kind of with a, a teaching temp agency as a non-qualified teacher. <laughs> Went and um, had some interesting experiences doing that. And then you know, just, just let it roll on from there. Mm. And I am now a seven, eight year qualified teacher. Uh, and it's the best thing I did. Absolutely the best thing I did. And just, and just coming back to going back to your decision originally, maybe to even go into law. Like I think like for, for, for those who are listening, like law is, it's quite a long process. You go from, Oh yeah. You know, okay yes you might start it for a levels but you didn't i i don't i don't believe that you start you you then you do your geography degree or you could do a law degree but then you go on to your lpc or your bbc and then you go on to your training contract so like at that point when you walked into the office it's like this is not what i want to do like it, you'd you'd spent a few years obviously being interested yeah. in something like what was it about the environment or the law that you hadn't necessarily realized you know um six months into your course for example yeah yeah i think um so there's a huge difference between um you know the the academic side of it and then the 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 reality of it in the job and i think that there are it's a real problem with doing a vocational qualification um i'm I'm really grateful that i did a a geography degree because that's that's now what i teach and it's also a subject i loved but the job geographer other than actually teaching i suppose doesn't really exist you then have to go and choose a career afterwards. Um, and I think that there's that, for a lot of you know young people, they end up taking a vocational route because that means I've got a job, but then you have that job and that's you. And it was kind of like, I'd gone through the, the academic side of the law, uh, which I'd found interesting and enjoyed, but the academic side was nothing like the reality of being in the office yeah. and the reality of the office and I'm sure it's true for for all the kind of professions that people get involved with is you're sat in a little kind of cubicle at a desk dealing with the emails dealing with the phone calls um, you've got a job list of however many things that are supposed to be going on at that one time and you you get in early and you might leave very late or you might just leave late uh, and you know the progression is 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 competitive and it becomes a case of how much of your time are you willing to give to uh outplay the competition and i was not going to spend my life um locked in an office um purely to kind of uh move up to that next rung on the ladder Uh, and, and it has to be financially motivated. There, there are there are plenty. I'm sure there are plenty of people that would say, "Oh, I'm genuinely passionate about um, you know tax law." Amazing. You know, if that's your if that's your turn on, wow, uh, you're you're gonna you're set for life. But my turn on was not 
commercial litigation. I enjoyed commercial litigation. I was interested in commercial litigation. But at six o'clock in the evening, if I've already been in from eight o'clock, I'm, I'm no longer interested in commercial litigation. I'm going home. Yeah, yeah. Oh, but you can't go home because we haven't finished producing this file bundle. Well, how about we, what, why, why are we doing that? Oh, the clients demanded it. Well, why? Oh, because they want to, you know, arguing over money. Yeah. You know, you're, you're paying me money to argue over money with something. Mm-hmm. It, it felt very, a very hollow in terms of reward. And it felt very restrictive in terms of lifestyle. Do you, do you think if the lifestyle had been more balanced, then it would have supported the decision to stay there? Or do you think ultimately that actually this was fundamentally and early on a great decision that this was the wrong career choice for me? Yeah, I, I think this is, it's probably not as simple as just the lifestyle or the, the kind of job value. It's a combination of both. Absolutely. Um, the, the lifestyle and the kind of realities of um, the demands of the job are, are what they are and you you know it's like turning around and if I turn around and said actually guys I'm really only prepared to come in Monday Wednesday Friday and I'm only going to be doing uh, 10 to 5 or whatever they'll go okay cool because there's this guy uh, around the corner who will do the job Monday to Friday for the same amount of money so why are we you again yeah um and and and, and that's it'll be interesting to see if things change as people become more aware of um, the need to kind of be flexible with people's uh, kind of work-life balance and you know the the number of people who would massively benefit from those opportunities Uh, but at the time that I was working in in law that was absolutely not an option Mm. Um, and nor was it you know as as the kind of junior in the office uh, was it going to ever be acceptable for me to say actually I'm going to be finishing at three o'clock on Friday because I need to get home and start my weekend and 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 on the on on the days where you were finishing late and you said you you went through a real struggle every morning of even trying to get to the office and was did you keep did you keep that from your girlfriend and her friend that you live with or was it something very private to you and you know a question is is um what how come you you didn't share it yeah i think well it was that they were both working in the same industry uh they were slightly more ahead in terms of their career the, than I was, because I'd kind of started a bit late having done a different degree. Um, and they, they, they were kind of, I guess, presumably enjoying it. Um, so it felt a bit of a kind of awkward one for me to kind of turn around and go, oh my God, you know, like the odd one out, I find this really, really challenging. I don't like this at all. Um, and also it, it comes across, and like, I, I completely understand this, a lot of people say, oh, he just doesn't like hard work, does he? And it's not that I don't like hard work, but I need to have a purpose behind that hard work. Mm. You know, I'm not, I'm not banging my head against the wall for the, for the fun of it. Um, and that's kind of what it, it almost kind of boiled down to. So for me to turn around to them and just kind of say, actually, you know, oh, I just don't, I can't, I can't do this. It, it certainly felt quite, uh, probably a vulnerable and weak thing. It was yeah. difficult, like for me, um, telling my parents uh, that I was leaving yeah. or, that, that was that was hard they could not have cared well not they couldn't have cared less that's that's not fair but they were not in any way like oh you're throwing your life away how could you do this we, we've spent so much money putting you through university and you you repay us like that you know that wasn't the conversation uh, my my dad's exact words were um i don't care if you want to be a bid man you go and make yourself happy mm. which you know is is exactly what you want uh, in that situation 
but I think a lot of people are very nervous about initially saying it because you know we live in a society where people are probably you know and unfairly are you know measured by their worth and their worth is based typically on you know their economic value and you know you turn around and go oh I'm an accountant I'm a solicitor I'm a you know an investment banker and everyone goes oh you're an important man aren't you you wear a suit you know and then you're like is that really what we're we're kind of valuing your self-worth on and you know to to be you know the person at the dinner party who kind of says oh actually i just i just i'm quite happy stacking shelves at tesco you know because it's uh, i do i do my 30 hours a week it pays my bills and um i really enjoy reading books and sitting in the park and that's what i do mm. and i think that'd be quite a difficult thing to do within um most people's social groups especially ones you know like our kind of social groups relatively similar in that it's sort of university graduate people who have yeah. taken on graduate style professions and you know have very much got the kind of middle class aspirations uh, associated with that to say i'm not going to play that game i don't want that i don't want to be a part of that is is quite a big deal mm. um, and there was definitely you know like yeah saying to my parents oh i'm not doing that that then there was that concern of kind of am I saying I'm not doing it in a very, is that, is that quite a selfish thing? Mm. And is it also quite a, a um, yeah, almost sort of disrespectful, I suppose, because I'm not, am I not fulfilling their, you know, so, yeah, accepting their support and kind of mm. moving on from that. So but, there's lots of, there's lots of internal emotions in those, in yeah. those conversations, but I, like, it's interesting. You were saying your dad reacted in what you would hope every father would yeah. look at his son and go, my son's not happy yeah. whatever you want go make yourself happy but also interesting from your colleague as well do you get the sense that that there might have been within your colleague as well just to kind of go okay i've known about this i haven't necessarily pushed it because that's your decision but actually maybe a lot of us know this yeah and in, in a way when you know i'm not saying that that person wasn't brave enough to maybe jump maybe they have different commitments but it's kind of like Good on you for recognising it. Go and do your best in the world. I I would be amazed by anyone who, when someone says to them, I've made this decision because it makes me genuinely happy, that someone would turn around and go, that's unacceptable. Mm. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, there are obviously scenarios where you would say, well, hang on, is that really going to make you happy? Are you just, just being, you know, reckless? But when you say... You know, it's, 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 a, it's a job. You, you're not your job. Yeah. You know, you, you, if you have got a genuine calling in life, you know, that's, that's fine. But there are a very large number of people out there whose job it is, is to go and perform that task to earn the amount of money that they need or, or you know, as much as they can to, to allow them to have the life that they want. That, that doesn't mean that you are that thing. It means that's the thing that you do to support your life. Mm. And, and one of the kind of, like, it's, it's such a cliche thing, but when, when you introduce yourself to someone or someone meets you for the first time, what do you say to them? Yeah. And it's the standard thing. If you go, oh, what do you do? And no one replies, um, oh, I'm really interested in, in yoga. And um, I've just been reading this book by um, Alan Watts all about Zen Buddhism. And it's really changed my life. People go, oh, I'm, a, um, yeah, I'm an investment banker and I work for so-and-so. And goes, oh, that's impressive. Not, oh, I've got three kids. And um, last night I spent two hours making you know, 
miniature whatever it is you do with your kids stuff i don't know I don't, i'm not a... <laughs> but, but then it's that horrible bit of like you're defining yourself by your job and you could be defining yourself by a job that you hate yeah oh and it's funny that those conversations, no matter how, because obviously you, you seem very, very insightful in terms of your, your own feelings and emotions. A lot of the stuff you've drawn upon is like your feeling of self-worth, uh, you, how you identify with yourself, how you identify with the world, what a purpose is, why you're doing things. It's, it's funny, despite knowing all that, sometimes you can go into a room, let's say, a, you know, a, a drinks or dinner party and be very confident in yourself. And then if someone says, so what do you do? And you, and you say honestly what you do and you're proud of that, there is something that goes in your, 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 your brain where you might feel the judgment of the other person and go, someone doesn't think that's good enough. Which is, I mean, frankly, like you've, always, you've just said, to know that you're, you're happy is in some respects, like do people, I mean, one, do people care? But actually, if someone's happy, is that some, some, there's some, there's some jealousy there to go, yeah. I wish I was. One, one of the worst, one of the worst traits that I've got at the moment is when I talk to people and they'll say, oh, what do you do? Or what, 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 what's your job or anything like that? And I will tell them about the geography and the teacher and that's you know i'm genuinely passionate about it I, I get to do some really great stuff with my work and then i'll say i used to be a lawyer <laughs> as if like oh i'm not i'm not just like because you know teacher oh, that's easy yeah like, oh no no I, I used to do something important as yeah. if teaching a thousand students about you know climate change doesn't matter the future generation of leaders yeah. Yeah, and then like I look at I look at my role within the school now. Yeah. And like I'm teaching A level students who I've got three this year who are gonna go and hopefully do geography at university. So they they're genuine, like passionate about their subject. Yeah. I, I teach our kind of values and ethics uh, thing, which is teaching citizenship, it's teaching uh, all about equality, it's teaching mm. real life skills, really important stuff. And I would still at the end of that kind of you know, job description thing go, I used to be a lawyer. Like, oh, I used to charge 220 pounds an hour to write emails. Oh, that means you're 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 more important than the uh, than you know anything else. I think oh that's and that that and I, I disappoint myself when I say that. Yeah. But <laughs> but but you still do. And I mean but, and, I but but also at, at the beginning as well with you know when I introduce you Chris is a secondary school teacher and formerly a yeah. lawyer. Yeah. I mean, from my perspective as well, you know, and I know that I've I've helped I've you know I helped write the introduction as well because you know I I, I know you. Yeah. Why formerly a lawyer? Why does that make it any any different? Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, it. I I, I think in the context of the conversation we're having, that's kind of I I, I completely understand why you put it in there because it gives the. Uh, hmm. It gives the background, it gives the explanation. This is someone who's um, left that kind of corporate life, left that corporate world and chosen to do the, I mean, to be fair, you know, I, I could have made a far more radical change. Like te teaching is a, is a definite profession. It is mm. definitely a, a properly True. paid profession. Um, it is, you know, there's academic requirements. There is, you know, a, a respect within the community. Um, I could have chosen something far less uh, impressive maybe that could have still made me happy yeah. um i'm very fortunate in that the teaching ticks all the boxes for me in terms yeah. of what i wanted from my life 
Um, but it is, yeah, it's, it's that, yeah, it's justifying your self-worth, isn't it? And, yeah. and kind of saying, you know, like, yeah, well, what about, all, do we include all our previous jobs? You know, do I also need to say that I, you know, I started off stacking shelves in Sainsbury's, then I worked part-time as a lifeguard. You know, there was, there was the weird four years where I was <laughs> moonlighting as a, as a doorman. Uh, that, was a, that was a weird time. Um, you know, do, oh, I, I did work for a little bit as a, um, a barman as well. You know, it's like, yeah, how much of this is is necessary as opposed to, oh, I'm Chris, I'm really interested in these things. And, you know, tell me about what you've done today. And, and, and tell us how, so that transition into teaching is something obviously you've connected with a found purpose. Like, what was, the, what was the difference in feeling? You know, give, give us that first person account of how it felt. So if, uh, if you ever walk into uh, one of my classrooms, have that have that lucky lucky experience. Um, the thing that I always hear from uh, people that observe me or see me teach, or even my students, is my enthusiasm. And it's not about oh, uh, you know, he marks our books really well, and uh, he's always you know checking our homework. That it's like he starts talking about something, and he genuinely wants to tell us about it. And he genuinely, when, when we ask a question, he wants to answer it. And he won't just tell you, oh, it's this. He'll tell you why it is. He'll tell you about um, a location that he's been to that has got you know, links to it. And if he doesn't know the answer, he'll go and he'll find the answer and he'll come back to you with it. And it, it is something that I'm genuinely like, it's, I'm passionate about it. And even though I've taught for eight years or so, so, you know, I've taught the same topics a number of times now. I know, I know the answers to all the questions. Um, I'm still like, you know, I'm, I'm teaching superpowers to my A-level students at the moment. And that's like, I'm, I, I get to learn again because they ask me questions that I didn't necessarily know the answers to or say stuff that means, oh, hang on, we don't, we don't really understand this. And that means I have to think a little bit more. But it is... Yeah, it's, it's that enthusiasm. I, I, I get up and I'm like, I get to go and talk about this thing uh, and get hopefully young people inspired about something that um, has got real world application and is, is really interesting to me. And to us, it's, in, it's interesting just watching you. I'm glad we did the video because actually, you actually, you're, 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 when talking about teaching compared to law, your body language oh, yeah. changes, and some yeah, of your, yeah. you know, you can feel yourself coming alive. Your eyes are kind of, you're, 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 you're way more expressive, and and, yes. and obviously enjoying what you do. So, so I think you know from that perspective, you know, I assume your firm recommendation if someone isn't happy with with their job is to change it as quickly as possible. Yeah, it has to be. I think we we're, we're in that no one no one any longer is restricted to a single career it, it, it's not like you were born into this family and therefore you will be a whatever your dad's trade was whatever your mum's profession was that is what you're going to be or or you know mum and dad didn't go to university that means I don't go to university that means that I I finish school at basic level and leave the, the opportunities exist now for everyone and I, I appreciate that there's still plenty of challenges for people to access those things but realistically, you, you can at any time in your life, if you want to, choose a completely different career. And you can, if you want to, um, you know, go literally anywhere in the world and find any job that you may want to do. And obviously there's challenges. But, you know, both of us know people that have, have left the UK and work all over the world. Um, we both know people that work, you know, as, as you do. Uh, a series of different kind of jobs 
where it's not Monday to Friday, this is me. It's, you know, the idea of having a number of kind of interests and it's doable. And the idea that people sit there and kind of say, well, at 18, I chose to be this and therefore that's going to be me till I'm, what is it now, 69 or whatever horrible retirement age we've got. Oh, you know, it's a, it is, I can't, I can't remember whatever, whoever said it, but what's our, our mandatory life sentence is 25 years. Yeah. 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 So you could spend longer doing your career than someone gets for murder. And you're like, oh, so I've just given myself a double life sentence out of choice. Maybe make a different choice. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and during those difficult periods, you know, I know we wanted to come on to talk about kind of what copes, because I'm interested to hear about how you coped then to how you've coped with maybe a, you know, a future situation in your yeah. life. Like, how, how did you cope with that difficult situation? Because, you know, I know we talked about the morning you're um, um, earlier, you're, uh, you, you teach CrossFit yoga, you're, you're very into physical exercise. Was that a big part of your life? So a big, a big problem was that because of the demands of the job, I, I wasn't able to do those things. I wasn't able to, to train uh, sort of physically in the way that I wanted to. And that was actually a big source of anxiety for me because my, my training is my, my kind of downtime, it is my, my release. Yeah. Um, and, and that was part of the kind of, yeah, part of the motivation of not wanting to do that job because it stopped me from doing what I genuinely loved. And that's, that's not, not something I'm, I'm going to kind of be okay with. Yeah. But, you know, the reality was that that job was creating a situation for me that I wasn't um, able to manage. And it wasn't a case of, oh, okay, you're not massively enjoying commercial litigation, but maybe if you do some breathing exercises, it's going to be okay. It was, you're in a situation that makes you fundamentally unhappy. Well, that means you have to change the situation. It's not you change you and you, you, you know, smarten up a bit more and work a bit harder. It was a case of no, this isn't you, so you need to make that change. Mm. And and that is, and again, I think that is also that's that's a concern for a lot of people is that they get themselves into a situation uh, that isn't making them happy, and they just try and um, force themselves to be happy in that situation. And I don't think you can do that. I certainly couldn't do that in that situation. Mm. So it was. And yeah, it's and it's uh, it's interesting as well because in a lot of a lot of companies now are investing heavily in in well being solutions for their staff and that might be based on genuine care it might be based on an increased productivity for the business case I mean yeah but fundamentally no amount of like you said breathing exercises yoga is going to solve this issue for you or for people who are in that situation like do you think that in some respects like can, can, can you imagine a kind of a, a, a digital well-being platform where rather than saying do this do that and try you know, try and boost yourself make you feel positive but how genuinely happy are you with your job and actually yeah. i think firms would probably quite like to know that wouldn't they yeah i i, I think that there is that uh yeah that, that, that's kind of almost your starting point because there's no point in um yeah trying to kind of make yourself happy if the situation you're in is the fundamental problem behind that um but that's is i suppose it's a bit of a chicken and egg scenario because until you've you've tried the small things yeah. you don't know if the real problem is is the job you know i i felt that i stuck it out for as long as i was 
wanting to you know there was the initial bit where i needed to, you know i wanted to qualify because you know then i've i've given it a good good whack yeah. i went and worked for a different firm you know to check whether it was uh, a kind of um a landscape issue rather than a uh, a career issue as it were like go go to a different different office maybe that makes it better um and then it was like no that's not the case so, so that, that element of experimenting within that situation was really important for you to yeah. hone in and say hold on all of these factors i've experimented with and change you know it's a scientific experiment fundamentally the, the, the one variable which i i need to change to check this is the job and yeah. you change jobs and turns out that was the right variable wasn't the office no <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't the colour of the carpet. It wasn't the dance uh, <laughs> in the foyer. It was the fact that I hated that job. Yeah. And um, yeah, like I just, oh, it was even like looking looking at the health of the people mm. who were more senior to me, and they weren't healthy people. And then you'd kind of, um, you know, I I still know or, or had previously known people that were working in the industry. And the way that someone would kind of go, oh, did you hear about so-and-so? They just had a heart attack. Mm. And they go, oh, well, they are 48. And you go, what? Or like, you know, and the idea that oh, there was some horrible story, you know, this relatively young woman, senior partner at the firm, and working late one night, heart attack. Mm. You know, she's found at 7 a.m. the next morning by the cleaners in the office. And you're like, oh, my God, that's going to be, that's your family's memory of you. Mm. is what how did you go oh she was working late night on that file had a heart attack found by the cleaners the next morning mm. so, know, so, so, so ultimately and this is what, what you've really communicated is like we've all got a choice yeah and yeah. Where, where you know whether you do feel like or don't have a you know that you don't have a choice and like you said you're work you know you're working in in, in in a school and and in a particularly you said deprived area you see those structural challenges were for accessibility into into work into education but still despite that people still have a choice yeah yeah you do um i i'm so fortunate in that i i went to a very good uh secondary school i came out with as good A levels as I possibly could. I went to a good university. I worked fairly hard. I got a good degree. And that then means that I can kind of find another job and I can go and do those things. Um, and it's unfortunate that our kind of education system means that what I did between the ages of 11 and 18 determines what I get to do further on. Yeah. But it's the same for everyone. It is the kind of the general uh, sort of setup that we've decided works the best. Yeah. But ultimately you can, yeah, like, yeah, I'm sure there are other people that would have far more challenges to try and change careers or try and uh, explore different options than I did. And, and you know, that's, that's, that is the absolute truth. But, um, but ultimately, if you're, you're, your happiness has got to be the, the, the be all or end all, it really needs to be that kind of, it's, it's such a fundamental thing. And it's, it's a massive, massive criticism um, of I think yeah of, of society today that we don't judge people based upon their happiness we judge them on their salary or their their career status yeah. and yeah be a millionaire if you want to be but don't be a miserable millionaire yeah be a happy millionaire yeah, yeah. and so 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 fast forward to now like to you know to, to 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 take us through the last few years in terms of yourself your mental health journey um you know you you were in you're you're in a happy profession um um. And yeah, go from there. Yeah. So I kind of said that there was there was two occasions where my mental health has definitely suffered. 
Um, the, the first one being the job thing, and that was, yeah, I was suffering from some anxiety and I wasn't happy. Um, the second one is probably a little bit more fundamental. Uh, so I, I've gone through a, uh, well, what has turned into a full divorce. Um, so I would, uh, oh, can't actually remember how long I was married for, which is possibly uh, indicative of, of some, some issues within the relationship. But um, we were certainly together for eight, nine years, um, bought a house together, married, seemingly very, very happy. Um, I, or certainly I, I thought we were. Um, like any relationship, there were plenty of challenges. We both, um, you know, she was working in a very, very high pressure profession. I was, I was working in teaching and I was busy at times, but maybe not as much as she was. And that created sort of some, some friction. Um, I think the getting into the full details almost, it becomes a slight irrelevancy because it's more the, the, the fundamentals of, of the impact it had on me. Mm, yeah. um, but it, it was, it was the worst yeah, year, year, year and a half of my life. I, yeah, cannot even begin to compare it to anything else that I'd experienced. Mm. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, the the person that I I loved the most uh, in my life, who I had every intention of spending the rest of my life with, um, behaved very badly. <laughs> And, and, you know, at times behaved in an incredibly self-destructive way um, and carried on in a very, um, and, it, you know, it's, it sounds like it's me saying, oh, she did this, she did that. Uh, and and that's, that's my view on it. And, you know, I, that's, yeah, it's, it's how I felt. Um, and I was caught in this very, very weird situation where I could see this person desperately needing my help at times she was very accepting of my help. Then she would be um, completely rejecting of it to the point of telling me that I was the problem, that I had caused everything. And then the next day she would need my help, want my help, uh, then completely blaming me and then doing things like, yeah, leaving the country, not telling me where she was going or what she was doing, even though she had already, you know, kind of done her reveal that she was in a very bad place mentally. Mm. So, just putting me in this almost impossible scenario of loving someone who was both rejecting me and demanding my help and at the same time um, not wanting to communicate with me. And it was an absolute mindfuck of the, the highest, highest order. Mm-hmm. Um, and throughout it, I, I just cracked on. And... Uh, talking to my friends now uh, who were kind of around yeah during that time they all they all say the same thing they'll sort of go oh you you seemed you seemed okay you seem to hold it together really well you know I the whole thing like the, the breakdown of the, the the relationship went on essentially for almost 18 months with kind of having spoken to someone uh, they suggested what happened amounted to, to mental abuse um, which again, that's someone else's opinion of what, what, what they felt it was. Um, I, I took one day off the entire time and I would be going, I would be going to my, my then wife's, she'd moved out of the house, but was still demanding that I come to see her. 
because she was so upset that she needed my support. So I'd be driving to her flat in a different city, staying with her overnight, uh, driving back to work at um, half four, five o'clock in the morning, getting into work at 7.30. She would then phone me from 7.30 to 8.30 while she just talked about whatever was, was going on in her head. Uh, and then at 8.30, 30 kids turn up at my door and I teach them and then at 3.30 they leave and then I yeah drive back to that city uh, in the evening and we go through it over and over and we were doing things like that. And that must have been so, must have been so hard to, there's such an all-consuming situation regarding yeah. a relationship and especially if you, if you marry someone you've taken those vows and you've, you've made a promise to people. Yeah in front of people as well yeah. and um, that that has become uh maybe one of the kind of bigger bigger issues now is that relationship's over definitely over and but it it was very real and yeah moving on from that is is the kind of real challenge uh and that's something that's become a lot more kind of apparent to me recently is is how i'm able to move on from that and, and that is going to be, yeah, that's something I'm, I'm literally working through at the moment. Um, but I, th I think the thing, that, the thing that I wanted to kind of talk about in relation to that was that I was in a very, yeah, was, was very upset by what was going on. Uh, right, and, so. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, like, and, and yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah. And, 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 that, and then that is the other thing as well. I'll, I'll explain why that's that's kind of important. So I was, I was apparently all okay. Everything was, you know, Chris is managing this. You know, oh, it's really difficult what's going on in his relationship, but he's really holding it together. Everything's great. Um, but that was because people weren't seeing uh, the reality, and I was I was talking to very few people um, because I was actually shielding her from my family and from other people because if they knew what was also going on in the relationship i didn't think they would ever want her back so i decided not to tell uh quite a large number of the people closest to me because i was like if i tell anyone what she's done you know and, and she was honest about uh what was going on um there's no way i'll ever be able to sit down at a dinner table with her and my parents again like they, they will not they'll tell them they'll tell me they don't want to see her and, and they'd also think that i'm an idiot for trying to stay with her so i thought right i just i won't tell people because that's that's a, a good way of dealing with these kind of problems and, and 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 everyone was telling me you know oh you're doing really well or kind of seem to be uh managing the situation very well but that was because i was going going through my day being really busy uh mainly because I had no time because I was rushing around trying to do whatever it was she she, she wanted uh, but then any spare moments I was yeah I was sat on the kitchen floor crying and and having no like my I had no way of arranging my thoughts into a coherent into any kind of coherence and I and that really, that, that was really distressing because I, I have all, like, we talk about me leaving my career. I went, I don't like this job. I've thought about it. I'm leaving. You know, I've, I've 
I, I decided I wanted to go traveling. So I booked my plane ticket before I'd even spoken to my boss because I've made my decision. I'm doing this. You know, I know what's going to work and I'm doing this. And I spent 18 months with no idea what was going on. And that was just, yeah, just so alien to me. Um, and then what, what transpired from that was, and it's, it's so bad because you, it's taken me, yeah, those 18 months or so to kind of look back and go, oh yeah, that's why that was happening. But I was having what, what I now recognize as panic attacks. And I, I have never, and, and they were, they were panic attacks that would happen at night. So I was just waking up, unable to breathe. And it Which sounds terrifying, right? Yeah. It, yeah. And it sounds so ridiculous because you kind of think, well, you, I mean, firstly, you can breathe. Like you, you don't, you're not suffocating. Hmm. And it is so hard to explain to someone what it feels like. Because it, it isn't, you know, like, oh, I've just sprinted really hard and I'm out of breath. Yeah. I would wake up, you know, pitch black and just kind of go, Ugh! and there was nothing. And yeah, and I, I, I didn't tell anyone, didn't, didn't speak to anyone because ultimately, like, and I don't, I don't understand the full physiology behind it, but obviously you're not suffocating. And what kind of happens is you probably sort of pass out a little bit, but I was lying in bed. Mm. So I'd literally just kind of fall back asleep, but know that that had happened. Yeah. So I, that, that was happening. Uh, and then <laughs> I, um, I started to feel like there was something in the back of my throat, like a lump or something like that. Uh, and obviously being, being, you know, tough man, and very busy human being, I was like, well, that'll just go away. It's probably like a little uh, cold or whatever it is. Didn't go away for like two months. Um, phoned my sister eventually, who's, who is a doctor, so could have answered these questions at any time. <laughs> you know, not gonna tell her about, you know, the panic attacks or the, 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 the issue with the whatever's going on in, the, in my throat. It was like, kind of had this thing. She was like, right, how long has this been going on for? Like expecting, you know, five days. I was like, yeah, two, maybe three months. She's like, go and see a doctor. Yeah. Went and saw the doctor and he was like, yeah, it's a, um, it's a kind of hypertension thing. Um, and I, I, I'm really good at remembering specifics and details. Um, but I think it's like your epiglottis or whatever. It's something in the back of the throat, but in the same way as you can get cramp in parts of your body, if you're under constant stress, um, that part of your body literally swells and cramps. So you get this sensation like there is something stuck in your throat. Mm. And, and that's because your body is literally just under constant stress. Uh, and but the whole time I was like, nah, I'm good. You know, I've, I've totally got this. And, 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 what, and what do you think led to the mindset, that mindset of, you know, because it's all, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about the stigma, you know, and, and I think the stigma of mental health, but, you know, as well as, you know, for guys' mental health, people aren't talking enough. That's why we're having a conversation now. Why didn't you seek support? Why didn't you reach out? Why, why did you have that mindset? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I definitely, I've, I've never seen myself as a weak person. And the, 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 the straightforward kind of, uh, 
the connection that's made is if you have um, issues with your mental health, that means that you're weak because you know that that means that you're not able to control your emotions. Uh, even though, you know, as, as you quite rightly said, you know, knowing the full details of that breakup, it, it was it was awful. And, and, and that's why it's kind of, you know, coming back to that point is that no one would have ever said, oh, come on, you need to, yeah, you need to man up a bit here. You know, people, everyone, you know, I, I, I still haven't properly uh, accepted how much hurt it did. So when I talk about it, and especially when I talk about some of the kind of, you know, the peaks of the uh, <laughs> the breakup where things were very, very um, distressing, I talk about it in a kind of jokey way, you know, and I laugh about it. Well, not laugh, but I'll kind of go, oh, and then this happens. And people are like, I've spoken to people where they have cried. Yeah. Whereas I'm stood there probably wanting to, but not, and that is a very, and yeah, that, that idea of kind of, um, yeah, you know, you, 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 you front up, you, you yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say that I'm, I'm not telling someone that I'm having panic attacks, you know, I don't have panic attacks, I'm, 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 this, you know, big strong guy who, who just head first through whatever problem comes their way, I cope with situations, you know, I, I'm that guy that put themselves in, 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 you know, deliberately dangerous situations to, to find out, you know, how I'd respond. And I came out really well from it. You know, I learned about myself. And then, oh, this person's, you know, behaving nastily and, you know, is, is upsetting you emotionally. Well, I'm not going to talk about that because that's, that's, that's soft. That's not me. But I was fucked. <laughs> is, you know, the, the real, I, I look back at it and, People are like, oh, you know, you're really committed to your fitness. You're doing really well with that. It was like, because when I am, and I was doing this, I was putting a weighted vest on and just running lengths of a car park, like on a Friday night. Because that meant while I was doing that, I didn't have to think about anything. And it also meant that I'd be really tired so that when I went home, I didn't have to think. Because I'd be like, right, I'm really tired because I've just done three hours of fitness I'm going to eat my food and I get to go to sleep. And I'm going to actually sleep. Yeah. And I'll actually sleep because I'm exhausted. Yeah. Not, you know, oh, hang on. That guy's, that guy's mad, you know, not mad, but he's not, he's not behaving in a rational way. Yeah. And I see other people doing it. And before I was doing it, I had seen people doing it and said, that person really needs to speak to someone, you know, like I know everyone's going, Oh my God, that guy's crushing it. He's, he's just hit a new, you know, 5k time and he's, he's training three, three times a day. He's amazing. I was like, yeah, cause he's really unhappy. Yeah. And I was saying that about other people. And I was, I was going into lessons and standing in front of a group of kids saying mental health is really important guys. Here are some of the signs of anxiety. And here's the helpline that you should be talking to. And remember, the first rule of mental health is you talk to someone. And I was going, I was doing the exact opposite. So, 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 so explain that. So you're obviously extreme, you, you're, you're very articulate. You understand yourself. You've got good insight into your own emotions. Yet there's still this very powerful early urge to not admit that 
something is wrong or something yeah. isn't okay and like obviously i i hope and pray that you that a situation like you've been through never happens again looking back in hindsight could you would you manage your your approach and your mental health and um, um differently yeah i the the silly thing throughout it was that the the options were always there to to find help they were always there um and i consciously chose not to and i was probably more aware of those options than literally anyone else i could think of yeah um particularly the external so i i think it is people kind of go oh you can talk to your mates and you can talk to your family and stuff like that and actually you possibly can't mm. talk to those people because those are the people you are most afraid of of telling about yeah. um you know i i've got a very great I've, I've got a fantastic relationship with my parents but they are not the people that i go and open up to yeah. because they're my parents you know and and also those people they have got uh they've got a relationship already with you so the way that they respond is based on a lot of history with you as a person so they can't necessarily give you that kind of honest reply you know which is why i think having that that impartial um professional is is probably so vital because that person isn't going oh well i know chris and i know these things and you know what he's saying oh he always exaggerates or he always whatever that's someone who's going to listen to you and take what you say at face value um with no no you know uh, assumptions uh in place and those things were always there and like there were there were times where i was close to phoning uh you know samaritans or whoever it would have been but i also was like but that's really for like you know the suicide people and i firstly i i wasn't that person i didn't think but also i was like i'll probably be taking up their time like it's the standard thing of why don't a lot of people don't go to see doctors you know because they're like oh because i'll be taking up their time and i don't want to bother them so i i think that there's that feeling or worry that um your your problem isn't significant enough um and that you should really only go and talk to the doctor if you are or whatever helpline if you are literally you know about to jump off that bridge or you are you know uh, unable to function you know but the problem with that is that then you've already gone down a very very long road uh, route to it to reach that point and the answer is we've got to a, a achieve uh, a solution way before that you know there are always going to be some people that find um you know that they experience real mental health challenges within their life that, that that's that is you know a, an unfortunate reality but there are probably a large number of people who experience some degree of mental health issues who if they were to recognize those signs earlier and to be more proactive in looking after their mental health it would never develop uh, to the level that um it becomes genuinely uh you know a real kind of uh life effect as opposed to just something that you've kind of you know had to deal with but you've you've managed it effectively so actually forming those habits early on yeah is crucial yeah. It's forming the habits and it's also it's recognizing the signs and, and you know and a big part of it and it is it's literally it's like my it's 
my mantra throughout the kind of mental health lessons that I do is you talk to each other. And, and when you're worried about someone, you talk to other people as well. Yeah. So you know, talking is, it's about talking, 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 having these conversations. Yeah. yeah and also has, not judging people on these conversations. Yeah. And I, I think, I think there's, there, there are massive improvements being made in that um, people are far more aware of mental health issues. They're far more um, aware that it is something that affects, you know, everybody. Um, and that it doesn't have to mean that you are, you know, in that kind of, uh, you know, it's not, it's not illness. It, it's not a negative thing. It's, it's a, it's a challenge that people experience. Mm. And, you know, in, in the same way as, you know, if you, if you, you know, fall over and break your wrist, the answer is not to just kind of get back up and keep going. You, you go and get some kind of treatment. You try and, you know, look after yourself and hopefully learn not to fall over in that way again. And, mm. you know, you move on from there but if you if you are ignorant of of that broken wrist you're not going to get better mm. it, it's often difficult and i'm sure like you you've alluded to it's difficult to know when perhaps you are broken yeah i, I yeah I, I i think that it is definitely sometimes like for me like it's only only now that i've kind of looked back properly at it and gone oh you were you know you 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 were not you or, or at least you were not a happy version of yourself. Mm. Um, and it's, that has come, come about through very on, honest conversations with other people. Um, and, you know, the fact is, like, I was talking to you during, during the breakup. I didn't tell you about half of that stuff. You know, even though I know that you were, uh, you know, had worked with the Samaritans that you had been doing, you, you are literally the right person to talk about talk talk to about those things and i chose not to and you know there there were plenty like you have always been you know you'll never more than a phone call away uh and yet i'd kind of go oh no i won't do that mm -hmm. which is yeah it's silly ultimately um but also is is absolutely the decision that i made yeah. and and at the time that that was that was what i was doing and so I mean, going through that, trying to cope with that, you said you're on the floor crying, having panic attacks. What, how did you cope? What, what tools and techniques did you use to even get through that, to even to function? Yeah. So I think that that's probably, the, the, there's a big difference between what I did to get through that mm. and kind of how I am now happy. And I think that during that period, there was no way that I was going to be happy. Um, because it was too, it was too upsetting a time. What I was doing was coping, and my coping mechanism was to to kind of push those issues to one side uh, and to deal with them in a very formulaic way. So something that was actually really kind of sound ridiculous, kind of beneficial, was when the decision decision was made that we were we were properly separating and we were going to get divorced was you know going through and filing that paperwork and that that brought a um a level of um certainty and order to what had been a period of chaos and throughout that time you know and it was kind of it was chaos both in my kind of mental state and also you know kind of yeah what was going on in in my life um it was trying to find order so being very regimented, so not taking a day off from work, 
because if you're in work, that means you've got structure to your day. Um, I would go to the gym and I would create structure through that. Um, and you know, continuing with that, uh, in a real kind of, but all of that was essentially diverting from me having to deal with what was, uh, you know, causing me to be so upset. Um, my my actual kind of like ways of managing that and kind of one of the things that I'm definitely kind of working on now is is trying to put put some order together to what happened and also kind of yeah a bit of sort of self-healing I suppose without getting too kind of new age is is my my kind of use of of meditation of yeah my yoga and also of my training um i i've been quite yeah i've been lucky that i've done i've done the whole traveling thing i've gone and sat in ashrams and and met my little gurus and done some weird weird meditative stuff and done yoga in the forests in cambodia and all that kind of uh hippie things and gone and got some tattoos which is really important you need to do that um but what i now find i you know i i know that the events of the past two years that's that's going to take some time to deal with, but the the day to day stresses, the the kind of the things that you go on getting worked up about this or oh, I'm not so happy about that, you know I I know what I I need to do to to try and to help myself through that and you know me- meditation is is really beneficial for me. Um, I I I don't like the way that meditations become. Um, it's definitely become commoditized. Um, which is ridiculous because it's it's you can't sell meditation you can't it's 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 when you do nothing that's that's the opposite you can't sell nothing that's that's a terrible product um there 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 is what i what i consider passive meditation which is our traditional kind of sitting quietly um i i do a combination of things I, i i enjoy my passive meditation but i do it at the end of like a a bit of a workout or something. Um, I have my little playlists that I go to, um, depending on what day it is. Some of them are 16 minutes, some of them are eight minutes, whatever it is, but that's my time frame. And I know that I can just put those, my headphones in, turn up the volume and just sit through that. And it's just focusing on your breathing. Um, and that's all it is, but it creates that stillness in your mind. And I don't think it has to be a, a process where we are, not thinking at all and we are being absolutely you know kind of full-on floating above the clouds meditation it's also that opportunity to take a deep breath and say okay it's wednesday morning i've got this going on at nine o'clock i then need to go and do that at 11. right am i going to have time to actually do whatever else it's getting your thoughts in order and it's giving you that breathing space to prioritize what needs doing and then you're able to actually start the day properly. And it's, it's, it's interesting what you're saying, because I know at an earlier moment of the conversation, you, you were talking about breathing exercises as something you were like, no, that's just not going to happen. It's not going to work. Whereas actually in the context of your well-designed life in terms of you've yeah. got your purpose, you're working in a job you're happy in, you are out of a, of a extremely difficult relationship. Um, suddenly, the those tools suddenly become really really useful absolutely and and again and i think that is like 
you, 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 you talk about the idea of having that toolkit. And in the same way is that there is the, you know, you don't use a hammer to screw in a nail, you know, I mean, definitely would use, that makes no sense, but <laughs> you, you use the right tool for the situation and the right tool with the job change was not breathing exercises. The right tool with the job change was change your job. You know, the right tool with being in an unhappy relationship was you need to find a way out of this relationship. You know, no amount of meditation was going to solve uh, the damage that had been done in our in our relationship that was yeah. never going to be the case mm. however I'm now out of that relationship I'm now uh, dealing with my own day-to-day -day kind of stresses my own day-to-day -day pressures yeah. and actually the challenge of organizing my day properly or um, you know feeling a little bit anxious about something my you know meditation is the answer for that yeah. um, the meditation thing like it gives me, it gives me the ability to organize my thoughts, which is massively important, particularly when you've got, you know, that there are always those things that are sat in the back of your mind that you're not really dealing with because there's always the, you know, the email, the, the, the immediate thing that needs to be dealt with, the text message that's just arrived, the, what am I eating for breakfast? Where's my, you know, where did I put my shoes? All of that kind of stuff. But there's always that other bit of the longer term planning, the the kind of the, the the stuff that you really need to address to to find a, a degree of happiness that's going to be more meaningful to you and those first few minutes of that meditation is my ability to address all the little things that are jumping around my head and then there's that bit of i haven't really thought you know about where i want to go in the next two months or something like that and it could be, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm really, I've got that feeling like I need to go and find a new challenge, for example. And you just start thinking about that. So, you know, that there, there, are, there are things that I have made decisions, you know, I've made decisions during my meditation. You know, I, I, I chose to go and do my, uh, my yoga qualification while I was meditating because I'd, I'd kind of cleared my mind of the other things. And then I kind of sat there and I kind of thought, Right. What, what are you genuinely passionate about? What do you really enjoy doing? What is going to give you a skill that is going to be uh, valuable to you, that is going to have a genuine positive impact on your life? And you sit there and you, you, know, you start going through the options. So I could do this, I could do this. But you're just sat there and there's no, you know, there, there's no TV, there's no Spotify, there's no, it's just you sat in that moment, being present, dealing with those thoughts. Mm. And then whatever it is kind of finds its way into your, into your head. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's, a, it's about having that patience. I suppose there's an element of patience and just, I suppose, watching it emerge and yeah. based on not necessarily forcing that, that thought or that decision, but just letting it gently come to the yeah. surface. And, and, and that, that is so, so important is that it is, it's allowing the thought to develop because, um, you know, we, we we live in the you know the the instant click you know culture it's everything is here immediately it's like oh do i want that thing click i'm buying that thing uh do i want to answer that call yeah i'm answering that call do i want to text that person i'm doing that immediately you know but that means that we're always just kind of we're responding to things so it, it you know i i respond to that advert i i click on that link i change the channel on the tv because you know it's now eight o'clock and i have to watch this program as opposed to i'm sat here I'm feeling my breath. I'm really still. 
and this is starting to develop in my brain and that just starts to happen and it is it's, it's, it's organic and it is it's not forced and i yeah it, it, it has allowed me to kind of come to to make decisions about things that i want to do in the future yeah. but then it also like you can literally you can meditate after like well you can meditate in no time but like take three deep breaths and just watch like you can put your hand on your chest where your heart is inhale deep through your nose pause at the top exhale deeply and allow that breath to come out repeat that two more times and just feel what it does to your heart rate like you literally feel it drop and and that's three that is it's 15 20 seconds yeah and I'm talking about like, you know, people like, oh, you know, do you meditate? And I'm like, yeah, I meditate. And they, 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 I think they instantly assume that I'm, I'm sat on a cushion with incense sticks and, you know, chanting whatever for four hours at a time. It's, it's 14 minutes mm. with a, you know, there are my little playlist or whatever, some of which are not, you know, some of them are definitely on, on, you know, kind of repetition stuff because I, I, that works for me, but others are just, they're, they're, they're tracks that I've heard that just have that kind of beat within them that just brings it into that space. And that's all it is. It just brings a focus or in actual fact, it, it takes away a focus because what I'm doing, the, the music is there, it, it, it distracts the mind. I'm not hearing, like if, if someone is chanting on for 16 minutes straight in your head, you are no longer hearing on. You are not hearing anything. And, and, and that is what it, what it does. It, it, it brings your breathing to a state where you are not focused on anything. And, and that, that lack of focus allows the ideas and the calm to actually, you know, develop. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we've, we've got, we've had a, we've had a fascinating conversation. We've gone from, we've gone from <laughs> you, changing jobs yeah. uh, starting on a path that you you thought you you was was positive for you and then how are you managing that situation and as a young tw- as a young tw- 22 23 year old and then which is often a situation which a lot of people do find themselves in but then moving through to what you have you found your connection you found your purpose you found your happiness and suddenly that rug pulled pulled up yeah. pulled, pulled from beneath you to you know and dealing with that horrendous situation which we hope no one else has it has to go through but unfortunately people do go through yeah. Yeah. um and how you've coped with that and how it's interesting to see how you've changed your approaches and i think the really interesting insight is 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 that encouragement to keep on having these conversations but also acknowledging that there are certain tools that work in certain situations and and you know be aware of those tools in very bad situations like you said something like mm. mindfulness meditation might not be for you however having an intense conversation with someone who's at who's who is who has a, a professional qualification in dealing with some of these issues is a good choice and therefore that doesn't diminish one or the other it just says the right situation for the right time yeah um chris thanks so much for an awesome conversation um and uh, thank you to everyone listening um you can subscribe to us on most major podcast platforms um under psychic stories um you can look us up under youtube spotify apple podcast uh, just search psychic community or psychic stories and we'll pop up chris thanks so much mm-hmm.